I really wanted to be able to fuse great stories with what really is going on for women right now because what I went through in LA as an Irish woman in LA on my own without my family there I went through so much with guys and Hollywood feck boys and growing up and finding my voice and finding my authentic self that it felt like the best time for me to be an artist was when I really could truly stand behind the words I was saying Welcome to a very special episode of Girls With Goals. I'm joined in studio now by Ruth Ann Cunningham, a singer, songwriter with an eye-wateringly impressive list of writing credits to her name. Ruth Ann, you have written songs for the likes of Niall Horan, for Britney Spears, for Jojo. The list goes on, but now you're going front and center yourself and you're releasing new material. We're going to talk about the album, which is going to be coming out next year, I believe, in a little while. But first, like every guest, we're going to start with our game and it's called six words or less so it's for our listeners and our readers of her.ie who may not know who you are yeah so you have to describe yourself in six words or less so in your own time singer songwriter producer boss yes <laughs> how many was that singer that was songwriter four. producer boss yeah i just had to count that fast paced is that no fast okay five final one big one no, fast was terrible. Let me take that back. <laughs> okay. Oh, to take back. I'm gonna take it back. Okay. Um, singer, songwriter, producer. What did I say? Boss. Um, passionate, loyal, lovely. I didn't really think about. <laughs> I should have thought about it more. No, they were great. They were very descriptive <laughs> and honest as well. So I want to talk about the new music that you're doing. Well, let's go back a little bit first. Yeah. So you were gone right after you're leaving CERT. Um, I was spotted after the Jacob Song Contest. So t- won tell that. us about that then. What was that? I was. Re- I had a girl, but I was writing and recording songs since I was seven. Mm. Um, I taught myself. I was starting to play the piano when I was 12. I would just sing melodies and lyrics constantly and write songs from when I was seven with words and, and everything. And then... Um, when I was about 13, I was like, oh, I'm fed up of having to keep um, switching the tapes to record harmonies. I'm going to get my friends to sing them so that I can hear all the songs back and hear if they're good. How old were you when you I were... was 13. Wow. I was 10 when I would like study Mariah Carey riffs. I would just do them over and over again and record myself and every time I got it wrong. And it's weird. There was no one telling me to do that. I yeah. just was doing it. It was weird. Like no one was like, you have to get this song right. I just was doing it. I was obsessed with just music and singers and, and melodies and lyrics and everything from a very, very young age. No one taught me the structure of a song. No one, I don't know where, I, how I knew what a verse was or a pre was or a chorus was. It's a, very strange to me, but um, I was in the choir when I was like four. I got a solo in the choir when I was five. So mm. I was like, obviously just very into music from a very young age. And then um, through that, I had a girl band made out of my best friends from Billy Barry's, which is Stage Glow stage into. And uh, I was in Billy Barry. Oh, it's the best! At the same time as you, actually. Yeah. What class were you in? I was in the class below you. Ah. Um, And also, I think we were in a show together in the Gaiety, and I was like. Beatle number 767 <gasps> and you were Thumbelina oh my god that was my big role yeah no I was, <laughs> was my breakout so role. jealous of you and oh. I never spoke to you as well because I remember that Miss Barry would bring you up to the front like quite a lot and I just remember she? Well, I remember oh your god. voice like your oh. voice was huge for that age because we were kids yeah. yeah, I didn't know whether I was going to tell you that or not oh no I think that's cool yeah so I was in the back and you're up the front being I Thumbelina the and I just wanted to be Thumbelina <gasps> 
I know everybody wanted to be Thumbelina because I got the prettiest dress. Yeah. Everyone else like beetles and like bugs. And then and I was also, like, oh, no, yeah, you got to dance with all the cute boys. As well. I know. So I got, to, I got to dance all the. So you were yeah. in Billy Barry and stuff. I was in Billy Barry. Yeah. So that yeah. was where I got my girl band from. So then I just started writing hundreds of songs. That was like, I wanted to make the girl band big. If there was YouTube back in the day, mm. I swear I would have made us viral. Because really? I was like, I was like, I was like, I don't know what was in me. I was teaching everyone harmonies. Like I was very just getting it, like preparing us for stardom type yeah. thing. Um, so anyway, then um, my dad didn't tell me and we started recording. Uh, we had a manager back then who got us some recording studio time. So we were recording these demos. And then, um, so I was in studios recording, she was recording since I was 13 really. Um, and then this, my dad entered the song without telling me one of my songs that I'd produced as well. I was like beat, uh, loops of beats that I've gotten free in a cereal box. And I put them together with this keyboard and I made this song and he- um, You just make it sound so easy. Like you just <laughs> no. put these beats together and just, just lay down a little song, enter the competition, won it. And then my dad entered it and then was like, you're through to the Jacob Song Contest, which at the time was like a big mm. songwriting contest um, because you won like 10,000 euro worth of Yamaha equipment. So I really needed like yeah. the microphone and the new equipment so we won that anyway and then the a guy who used to manage Danny and Mark from the script yeah. saw me in the paper heard about me and basically it was like they're in LA Danny and Mark Renee they're writing and producing we need to bring you there you need to go there you you, you could do this as a career like be an artist and stuff so yeah the day after my leaving cert exams my last exam I was not allowed to go before that it was like you are not going <laughs> until you have yeah. your leaving cert so did my leaving cert left the next day for LA and the third day that I was there I co-wrote a little too late by Jojo the third day the third day I'd never written with anyone I'd only have written myself yeah um so I was nervous about that and then yeah the third day the second day I met Billy Steinberg who obviously was a big songwriter yeah. wrote like a flame or like, like a, a flame, flame. that's a like mantra. a virgin eternal flame and eternal flame yeah. and he literally got me said the piano was in front of me he said sit down play me something and me at 17 Jesus was like Christ. You know, if there's Grammys on the piano, mm. and I was just no like, pressure. yeah. But I, for some reason, I was quite fearless back then. I was like, well, let me play a song, <laughs> terrible song. And um, I remember the song I sang. I can't believe I sang it to him. But anyway, he saw something in me and was like, come back tomorrow. We'll write a song. Yeah. And we wrote it a little too late the next day. And then um, I immediately, when I left the session, didn't want to be rude because they were writing it for me. But I came into the car and I said, that is not for me. That is for an artist called Jojo. And 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 two years later, it ended up going to her it took a it took a while yeah but um as as it does but it, it when I got the call saying hey Jojo wants to do that song I'm like yes go do it I was gonna ask like if you're when you're writing and obviously that was kind of the first time that you had co-wrote with someone else mm -hmm. but then after that you know you did it quite a lot over the mm -hmm. years are you writing a song with someone in mind or does that come later like it sounded like that came pretty instantly for you you knew that wasn't your song yeah so does that come into it at all or um I think my motto was just to always try to write the best song mm. sometimes when I've tried to write something for Beyonce or tra the other the other trap that you can get into is you can write something that they've already done that they like something that sounds too like what they've already done and they want to move on to the next thing so I remember when I was writing with TLC I just kept singing waterfalls in my head I was just looking at T-Boz and I was like don't go and I was like oh my god stop singing that melody they've already done that song it's so hard that, it's huge yeah to, yeah to try beat what they've already done but mm. that's the job is that you have to kind of 
give them something that maybe they've never had before or something that is like what they've done but not too like what they've done yeah. so um, it's easier for me when I'm writing with the artist because they're there and their influence is there and their voice is in front of me and I can mm. hear what would suit them so um, I like writing with artists because then it's very easy for me to stay in their lane um, but then at the same time uh, some of my successes come like to say it was not written for Jojo but went to Jojo and yeah. then In the Name of Love was not written for Martin Garrix it just, he just liked it so it, 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 it can work both ways and so the thing like that obviously took two years then to get to Jojo and mm-hmm. like obviously you said it takes a bit of a process before it finds the kind of right artist or like mm-hmm. that somebody can, can hear a song and then want it yeah so I mean what was it like when you got the phone call being like this is a massive hit. Did you already know? Did you know that was sitting there and that was no. a hit? I don't, I still don't know what it, I don't know what a hit is. I, I, I think that, um, like I don't write thinking about hits. Okay. Um, there's a lot of songs I love that wouldn't be considered commercial hits, but they're my favorite ones. Yeah. Like Fix You Coldplay went to number 55 in America and wasn't considered a hit, but it is one of their biggest songs. Yeah. So um, it depends what you classify as a hit. I just want to write songs that I like and I'm proud of. So I definitely come out of sessions and go, I really like that one. That's a really strong one. Mm. Um, that's one that I would listen to that I would buy, but I never in the history of any of my songs been like, that's a hit ever. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, if you do that, you're just setting yourself up for a lot of disappointments. I mean, where else is there to go if you're just like, hit, 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 hit. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think you can have a good feeling about a song. With with Too Little Too Late, obviously, it was like my, one of my, it was my second songwriting cut. I'd had another one in Australia with Danny from the script. Um, So I didn't know what to expect I knew I loved it I knew Mm. it sounded great but like it's American radio you don't really it's American charts you don't really expect it to just come out and boom but it really did just go boom and it was just really started you know a very crazy journey of being a songwriter for a while like it started a crazy roller coaster rides of just having a hit at 19 you know just yeah. like having written it at 17 and then having a hit a lot of songwriters that I met didn't have their first hit till they were 30 they went right. through a lot of disappointments and I kind of went the opposite way mm. so then that brings on a whole different amount of pressure and and well and I mean I was gonna ask because I remember that hitting the headlines here in Ireland like it was huge and I mean mm. I don't think no matter how much success you have in Ireland if you have a huge amount of success in America every single person on this island is going to talk about you. So I remember that being on the radio. I remember everybody was talking about you at the time. Mm. Was there a huge sense of of pressure and expectation there? Or did you just kind of settle into LA life and everything was kind of rosy? Is it like what we see on TV? I didn't like LA at all at first. No, I was incredibly lonely there. I couldn't couldn't drink. I couldn't drive. I was under 21. Mm. So it was just not... It's a hard place to make friends. You have to make the right type of friends. It can be incredibly lonely I mean I, 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 I grew to love it and love the lifestyle after many years of hating it but um, yeah it definitely wasn't like I just settled into anything I was put under a lot of pressure because where you have one hit everybody wants what you just did so I got yeah. signed as a writer I didn't even really understand what a songwriter was because I thought most artists wrote their own music and I didn't really see I didn't understand how I would write a song for Shakira without her there I was like but I don't know her why how am I like I didn't understand that and yeah. there's no school to teach you 
there's schools, there's music schools, but there's no school to teach you how to deal with the industry. You have to, everyone has to experience it themselves. Mm. And then you have to hopefully pass on your experience to the people. So I just would go into rooms taking as much lessons and experience that I could. I called the years after I wrote to today, my years of college, of college of the industry, learning the industry, getting better at my craft. Um, but I definitely was under pressure, yeah, to have more hits. And I did have another one there in America uh, not long after with Catherine McPhee, who'd just come off American Idol. We had her first single. Um, but yeah, so it was just kind of more of a learning stage that those years were me learning. Yeah. Um, and then knowing how to handle it and how to have more success, really. And I want to talk about... Um just keep the microphone. <laughs> I want to talk about you as an artist yourself as well, because mm-hmm. obviously you then signed the yeah. songwriter deal. And so you're working with that. But first, we are going to get you to perform now. Yay. And it's called Liquid. And this is the single that is going to be on the upcoming album that is mm-hmm. coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about the song? Yeah, this is a song that almost didn't happen because I was having an anxiety filled day, as most people do these days. And I just wasn't inspired. Um, and then I went to the bathroom. I told him, I was like, I think I'm going to have to leave because I don't like wasting people's time and then I went to the bathroom I came back and he the guy one of the producers Mark and Ian were playing this the guitar riff that you hear in the song and I immediately ran to my phone and grabbed the lyrics that I'd written down for Liquid a, a few months before and I just started singing it and 30 minutes later we had Liquid and um I think I just had a lot in me to say at the time about uh words being so powerful you ever talk to someone and they're like this teacher one time told me that my thighs were fat mm. and I ha- and I have always since I was 12 years old not this isn't me just, oh, just right. an example no no no, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> not this isn't me but a friend had said this to me um, and it really stuck with me she said and for 24 years no matter what I do I always think my thighs look fat that's the first place I look yeah. just from that one word um, and I really realized in that how powerful your words can be I've had people be incredibly mean to me and say horrible things to me or about me and, and whatever and some some of those things you just never get over as a human they, they stick with you yeah. and the song is, is just about people basically j- just learning to understand that a lot of people say stuff out of their own insecurities projecting their own fears their own anger their own experience onto you and to just not let it bother you and that's what LA had started to bother me everything people were saying was really starting to affect me and then once I had a closer look at the people that were having such a profound effect on me and influence and looking at them and looking at what was motivating them to be this way negative and uh, and just breaking you down I started seeing just how insecure everybody was themselves that those yeah. people were themselves and so I wrote liquid kind of about that that's a long-winded explanation. Sorry, I was just like, that was deep. I feel it like I'm, I'm going through like a really cool therapy <laughs> session. Maybe we shouldn't sing. Maybe we should just keep talking. And um, this is also first for Girls With Goals. We've never had an artist perform before. So uh, we're Yay! very excited. So this is Ruth Ann performing Liquid. All of this perception, all of this perfection, 
And we wash it all up, wash it all away. Wash it all up, wash it all away. There's no real connection. Service communication. Can we wash it all up, wash it all away? Wash it all up, cause it's just liquid to me. Running through my hands, it's dirty, dirty, never, ever end. So pour it up, up in my glass. I drink it down and I let it burn. Cause it never lasts in this poison world. Gotta laugh it off, I'm good. Cause it's like liquid off of my feet. Won't drain the life out of me. All of this perception, all of this perfection. Can we wash it all away? Wash it all away, wash it all away, wash it all away. There's no real connection, service communication. Can we wash it all away? Wash it all away, wash it all away. Cause it's just liquid. Everything you say, you know I don't let it get to me. Always like liquid off of my skin, and I never let it soak in. No, all it is is Wash it all away, wash it all away, cause it's just liquid. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so um, I might just take off, to be honest with you. I feel, um, <laughs> I feel incredibly untalented no. and unworthy. No. Um, that was unbelievable. Thank well done. You. So Thanks. that's going to be on the new album. What mm-hmm. can you tell us about that? The album is basically the last, the four years that I spent in LA. And this isn't the first solo stuff that you've done at mm. all, though. You've, you've done stuff. I so, dabbled, yeah. yeah. I featured on the Fifty Shades Darker soundtrack. Mm. Um, I've done some features with, I did a feature with Lindsay Sterling. Um, and uh, I had a song out, uh, a, what's called, 10 years ago in Ireland called Take Me Away. And yeah. with Jeff Bashker, who then went on to be like Kanye West, like main producer, and we still stay in touch. Um, but yeah, so, but this, is really the first time I've got to do a body of work right. I never really was a I, I, it took me a while honestly to find my voice I think as an artist um, I was thrown into writing for pop artists right which is you're just focused on radio you're focused on hits mm. um, and in that's you don't really get to be artistry there's no artistry to that it's more just like trying to get the single on the record and um, for me uh, as an artist and the artists that I love are like the Amy Winehouses and Alicia Keys yeah. and Lauren Hill and those are real artists that just go and write what they feel and it's a story and it's um, it, there's a point of view there's a lyrical perspective and I needed to find mine basically yeah I mean um, I was going to ask like why now but obviously yeah. you've been in the industry for 10 plus years now Mm. and do you feel that that kind of wealth of experience behind you is going to stand to you because aside from anything like people who aren't in the music industry like Mm. I'm not Mm. but you hear about it and you hear about how cutthroat it is and you hear about how image obsessed it is and Mm -hmm. stuff so do you feel like now at this point in your life 
is the perfect time or would you have wanted it to happen at 17? No, I wasn't ready at 17. If I wanted it to happen, I would have fought to have Too Little Too Late because I knew it was a great song. I didn't know it was a hit song, but I knew it was a great song. And I w- I, I, but I knew it wasn't me. I knew for being an artist my, in my own, it had to be my own. It had to be the sound that I love. It had to be something that I could really stand behind and be proud of. And like I said, I love artists. Like I love 90s R&B. I love, I love Alicia Keys. I love John Legend. I love Soul. I love Aretha. And so I and I love Carole King. So I really wanted to be able to fuse great stories with what really is going on for women right now. Because what I went through in LA as an Irish woman in LA on my own without my family there, I went through so much with guys and Hollywood feck boys and 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 so so many things and and growing up and finding my voice and finding my authentic self that it felt like the best time for me to be an artist was when I really could truly stand behind the words I was saying steer the ship for myself and of course when I was when I was young and I was 20 in my early 20s I wanted to be I wanted to do it now you always want everything now but looking back this this is the perfect time and the stars just started aligning everybody that I was working with was like you should be an artist like your voice my voice started maturing um I just kind of figured it all out it just took me longer I think sometimes um you know the boys from the script were the same it just I think sometimes with Irish artists it just it takes us a bit longer to find our lyrical perspective and get the confidence also to step into the global marketplace and and feel competitive and at the moment it's amazing to me to see how many Irish artists are putting themselves into that gauntlet and having so much success so it just is a great time for Irish music in general and I definitely want to be I want to represent the female side I think we are we need more females out there I was gonna I was gonna ask that because obviously you were in LA for like kind of the guts of your 20s I suppose and now you're back and you're predominantly based in in London Mm -hmm. and obviously you're traveling a lot with your work so I mean when you come back to Ireland how much has the music industry changed because like at that time it's like we had the Samantha Mumbas Mm -hmm. it was very much a pop world I believe they were called Six but I don't know (laughs) yes I mean like that was no we were that was what it was it was either pop or Or it was Uh, the frames yeah so there was absolutely nothing in the middle no and And there was no R&B yeah well that's it there was no soul or R&B really Um, I think it's amazing to see like rappers like Reggie Snow and mm. like Anya Cahill. I love Dermot Kennedy is sick. Gavin James. Like there's just, it was, it was amazing even to be Electric Picnic and see the amount of Irish artists that were yeah. on the stage. And back in the day, I'm not going to lie, it was hard with Irish radio because they wouldn't really play a lot of Irish artists. Mm. Um maybe I'll get killed for that but now there's, okay, it's not there's a lot of people okay <laughs> Owen McDermott's been so good on 2FM he loves supporting Irish yeah. people um, there's that wild youth re- uh, band that I've become really good friends that I used to actually one of them was in Billy Barry's as well so there's a really good time for Irish music and it, I didn't even plan it that way I wasn't like oh it's a really good time for Irish music so now I'm going to come out mm. it just naturally happened this way the record was ready John Legend's management heard it and we're like what are you going to do with this and I was like I don't know I'm, don't, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> and they were like let us do this for you because we've done it with John we know how to do this and they've been amazing and the reaction's been amazing obviously I, you know I'm never I'm not going to come out and compete with Nile Horn slow hands <laughs> what I wrote yeah. but we're building and that's what an artist career is about you you build you, you're just building all the time and so when you when you look at the careers of Amy a lot of people in America don't even know her first album because her second album is where she really took off so it's just a building process and and people say that that was like an overnight success and it wasn't it she, really was she not. She was riding for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think with anyone it's really been.
an overnight for yeah. anyone. Um, and sometimes when it is, it goes away quicker yeah. than people think. But yeah, I've just been on this amazing journey of just figuring out my being, being not afraid to do the music I want to do. And I'm very lucky in the way that I can still write like pop music my music is still pop in a, mm. in a huge way and um, uh, the pop sensibility will always be in my music because I love pop music but I love how I can dip in and out of different genres like I can do now I wanted to do Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles I'm not doing that for my record so mm. it's great that I get to do that with him yeah. and then with Martin Garrix it's obviously a big future based song so it's like I get to do kind of every genre and then I get to perform now and sing which is something that I love to do and everyone who knows me knows that I just have to sing even if it's for like one person or yeah 20 that it doesn't matter I'll just sing wherever I go so um that's been really amazing just getting to support Alanis Morissette and yeah icon like that yeah wow. like that's just that's kind of what what we do it for it's funny because like you were talking there about your management and how supportive they are and stuff like that mm. was there any instances in your career when you were and kind of back to the whole what is usually thought of as the music industry in terms yeah. of like the way a woman or a man should look mm -hmm. have there ever been instances where of they've course. been like well you need to do this or you need to do that and of that's course 100 not happening now with you no or, no there's no one telling me what to do what to wear what to say i mean what i love about my management is every because it's a start you know when you first get new management and you're doing interviews and stuff you're like are you is that okay that i said like feck or yeah or just was talking I about like my you know what i mean yeah. or talking about super and they were like we love it we love that you're just being who you are yeah. but definitely when I first went to LA oh I got told you can't do that you can't do that you have to wear this you have to do this I dyed my hair purple at one stage because they're like you need to stand out did they tell you to dye your hair purple <laughs> well like they don't really say it in that way but they just make it seem like you hear stories about Ed Sheeran you know you know a ginger person will never be a pop star it's that type of thing yeah. that is the way that people think they can't and legally say it but they kind of but they say it well no people straight out said that about him oh, I won't shit. I'm not going to sign a ginger artist of course that's the thing and I'm in the rooms I hear what these A&I yeah. say so it's like um, I definitely was told to lose weight and, and then you know back in back in the day when when uh, when I when I was trying to break or, or dabbling into that was it was all the skinny vibe now it's more the curvy vibe so now yeah. you have to have all the curvy it's just it's like a whole you just never can be enough for anyone but what i have learned um is and the advice that i always give to anyone saying it is that whatever they're telling you to change is what's special about you mm. so don't change that because everything that everybody told ed sheeran to change is what makes him the pop star that he is everything that everybody told adele to change is what makes her the the the, the icon that she is so anyone tells you to change that certain thing that's the thing that's special about you so don't change it so yeah. I did all that I did the circle because you're 18 and you're an impressionable young girl and there's big lawyers and, and record labels saying well if you do this you know da, 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 da. and it never worked out for me because it wasn't authentic and I think these days I think there was a few years where we where everybody got away with, with playing a role and these days people can see you all the time so you have to be who you are Yeah, and people you can't keep up an act forever uh, you know Lady Gaga can though but everyone else she can play her I love her yeah she's great That's the, she's got that artistry about her but like for my type of music like it has to just be me my heart is on my sleeve yeah. I'm an open book so That's your type of music is. is kind of different from what we would have heard from your writing, like say, mm -hmm. you know, totally eight, eight to 10 years ago. So it's different. Yeah. So when can we hear the rest of the album? What dates? What's coming up next? Okay, you well, the there's year? three songs right now out. Okay. One is called The Vow. One is called Take My Place. One is called Liquid. I think uh, there will be another one coming out in a few weeks. Um, 
there will be another one coming out before Christmas. Amazing. Uh, there will be an album next year. Right. There we don't have a date yet for that. We don't have a date yet okay. for that. I'm still finishing it. Yeah. I'm a perfectionist. Um, and yeah, I mean, I love 90s R&B. So there's definitely going to be a, a kind of a side project to to that I'll be releasing with kind of more delving into the, that 90s R&B vibe. Um, but yeah, definitely like the next single is called Take What I Can Get. And it's like a Burt Bacharach song, like oh. a like a ballad, like a Aretha Burt Bacharach song with nice. a bit of like flow retreat, Jill Scott, India, Ari vibes. And it's like a heartbreak song. And then The Vow, obviously my first single was was a really crazy reaction because I'm getting, I still get sent videos all over the world of it in people's weddings as their first dances. They're walking down the aisle song wow. and that has honestly blown my mind. I cry every time I get one because <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, that's in their lives forever. Anytime they watch the video, yeah. the vow is in it. And that to me is, it's it to me is already, I'm so happy that I made the jump yeah. to being an artist because that was what I, that was what I wanted was just to connect with people. And what about touring? Obviously, you were mm-hmm. on tour. You, you toured with Alanis Morissette recently. You're mm-hmm. doing the festival circuit here as well. You yeah. Were, you were performing at EP only last week. Mm-hmm. So what's the schedule like? Is it jam-packed? Um, there is a announcement that I can't announce yet. Oh, come on. <laughs> I can't. I really oh, can't. Oh, please, give it to us. What did you give on McDermott? I couldn't tell any. I okay. can't tell anyone. There is, mm. uh, there is dates being announced for the end of this year. Okay. And that's all I can say. And then next year... There will be, I can say that we are organizing a mini Irish tour next year. Okay. Um, probably in February. Amazing. Around the album. And yeah, there's going to be a bunch of different things I'm yeah. trying to, that I'm going to do. And you can get everything on Spotify and all that kind mm-hmm. of jazz. Everybody yeah. can go look for Ruth Ann with an E. Yes. Ruth Ann with an E. And also before I let you go, my final question is what is your all time favorite song that you didn't write? Oh my god! Just a really simple question. Oh, there's to, so to, many. I'm gonna need one, just one song. <laughs> I don't even know. How does anyone just has anyone ever answered that? No. <laughs> I have fine. like 50 million songs. I wish so I wrote. So, what was the song that whenever you were a kid that you would sing in your bedroom when no one else was around? Because I feel like that's kind of a favorite song. Is it a Mariah song? Yeah. I feel like it might be a Mariah no, song. No, but I feel like you. it's so predictable. Here, I have to, I can only narrow it down to <laughs> okay. two. Okay, go on. Give us the two. Hero. Yeah. And do up that thing. Because that rap, Lauren Hill. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> or Zion or X Factor. Anything from that album. But okay. yeah, like the lyrical content of do up the thing, the rap is just still just timeless. And Hero is just like an epic anthem. Amazing. Yeah. Well done. You answered that very well. Thank you. That is unfortunately all the time we have for now, Ruthann. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks to everybody who is working behind the scenes today. I'm Neve Mar, and we will chat to you next week. Thank you. Thank you.